Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Boo! Boo! More on that in a minute. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday Night Jaw. We love the graps. Yes, we do. On the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, my name is Jim Smallman. I'm your host all the time of this here podcast. And uh, today is a special Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode. I like to do these from time to time. Uh, last one we did was William Regal. One before that was Jack Gallagher. Um, uh, in terms of actual in-ring performers, we've also done them with Chris Brooker and we've done them with Joel Allen. Um, today, I popped to Liverpool and had a bit of a chat with Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson. Now, if you're a fan of the wrestling company that I co-own, Progress Wrestling, you might be familiar with the fact that um, Mr. Gibson is, how can we put this, a heat magnet uh, he does a little promo before every match that gets some of the uh, the most amazing heat I've ever seen uh, as a wrestling fan, as a wrestling promoter. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk about his career, where he's uh, where he's come from, where he'd like to go to, uh, and we also um, he shares a brilliant story. Towards the second half of the of the interview, he shares an absolutely amazing story about going to China to wrestle, which is one of the finest bits of storytelling I've ever sat and listened to. It's wonderful. Um, so enjoy. Uh, I'm not going to prattle on too much. Zach Gibson will be part of Progress Wrestling's biggest ever show. Sunday, September 25th. Doors open at 2. Show starts at 3. Finished by about 7 o'clock. Uh, chapter 36. Uh, we're going to need a bigger room again. Uh, biggest thing Progress have ever done. Uh, we've already sold over 2,000 tickets, which is really insane. And we've got, I think, yesterday we had 90 tickets left. Um, so if you want to come, now's the time to get a ticket. It's less than three weeks away. Progresswrestling.com slash shows. You'll see the link to chapter 36. Go and get your tickets. Also tickets on sale for our next trip to Manchester, which is chapter 37. Uh, our show that we've got during the Christmas holiday now on a Friday, which is unusual for us uh, in Camden, in our normal home, the Electric Ballroom. And also our first ever trip to Birmingham uh, in January, which we sold, I think, half the tickets within a couple of hours of that going on sale. So um, things are going a bit crazy. And also, as well, um, we are 
are heading to Orlando to do a couple of shows. A solo show, a progress show, uh, the Friday before WrestleMania in Orlando. And then uh, the Saturday before WrestleMania, we're doing the WWN Super Show, which is Progress versus Evolve, which is super awesome to be part of. Um, hope you enjoyed the Battle of Los Angeles preview show uh, last week. Um, it was a shame to learn that Jack Gallagher, in the end, uh, couldn't actually make it over there, which is a shame because he was on the preview show. Um, but, and spoilers, just brace yourself if you've not tried to avoid everything to do with Battle of Los Angeles. is spoilers because I'm going to talk about it. Spoilers. Okay, I'm going. Right. Um, delighted to see how uh, British, and I include Tommy Enders British because he, he's one of us pretty much, uh, see how uh, our British and European friends uh, did Friends of Progress, friends of mine went over to PWG, did great things in Battle of Los Angeles. I won't give away the winner just in case, um, but really, really pleased to see how well all those guys did. Uh, they all deserve it. They've all worked really, really hard. They've helped establish British wrestling. I'm always biased towards progress. It's my company, but there's loads of great companies in this country. British wrestling is as hot as it's ever been, thanks to the talented people, the guys and girls that we've got wrestling in this country. So to see them recognised in as big a way as going out and doing a showcase like Battle of Los Angeles for PWG is tremendous. So could not be more pleased for them. And someone who's got big things definitely around the corner for him is Zach Gibson. So listen to us having our little natter now. Um, Don't forget, if you want to get involved, you can tweet me at Jim Smallman. Uh, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Um, one thing I'd like to know from you is um, I'm, I'm probably going to do some merch. Probably going to do some Tuesday Night Jaw merch. So just let me know what you want to see, what you'd like to have. A lot of people have asked for a t-shirt that basically says, I like the graps or words to that effect on it. I'll probably make one of those. Um, and various other things. If there's ever been a catchphrase that you've really enjoyed, like trying to make a t-shirt out of the fact that Big Cass is seven foot tall and impossible to teach my different wording is something I'd like to do, but that might be a bit difficult. Um, I've got a really cool designer, Rob, who is the progress designer who I'm going to be getting on board to help me out. Um, but is there anything you want to see, then let me know. At Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Joy. Don't forget, if you want to tell people about the podcast, it's dead easy. Go to my website, jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. Point anyone you want to recommend this website to, uh, sorry, anyone you want to recommend the podcast to, point them in that direction of that website link jimsmormon.com slash tnj and there's all the links there to uh all the different ways you can subscribe so be it itunes if you're on android various different ways um so point people in that direction jimsmormon.com slash tnj and let's get even more people listening to this podcast it's already doing great considering we've been going less than six months i am delighted with the support that you guys have shown but let's keep pushing it let's get even more people aware of it more people in america because, you know, they already love British wrestling. Why can't they love a British wrestling podcast? We don't just talk about Britain, we talk about everything. So, um, yeah, keep recommending it. Keep supporting us. I am super grateful. Anyway, for now, let's go and chat to Zach Gibson. And uh, I'd like to join, if you'd like to join with me now in preparing for Mr. Gibson's arrival. <clears throat> Boo! 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 So, welcome to... Another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw, uh, another one of these special I go out and meet someone episodes. Um, and my guest at this time is... I am Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson. Soon to be recognised as Tuesday Night Jaw's number one. Soon to be recognised as the UK's number one. And soon to be recognised as the world's number one. 
Now you can do your intro. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Gibson. <laughs> the temptation to boo you throughout that was um, was was quite high. It, here's the thing: like when for people who've, I, I'm going to presume most people who listen to this have seen you do that at a progress show. How how do you feel when you get that much heat? Because <laughs> because there's 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 heat, and then there's the level of grief you get so how, how do you how do you feel about it well if you're a blue eye if you're a baby face and you go out to the ring the reaction that you're looking for is for people to be standing on their feet yeah. cheering and you look out there and you see every single one of them wearing your merch and they're chanting your name rather than clapping your hands so when you're a villain the one thing that you want is for everyone to be doing the exact opposite. Everyone in the room to be booing. Everyone in the room to actually hate you. And none of them to be doing it ironically. Like You never want them to actually want you to win. <laughs> At all times you want them to lose. So these reactions are exactly what I'm after. They're exactly what I need as a villain. <laughs> and it's... Um... I think it's interesting though because... Like indie wrestling, it's kind of different in terms of the product because... You will always find two or three fans cheering for the bad guy yeah. all the time, and I think, and there's definitely still, there's definitely still at our shows two or three fans, and it's that's football related because yeah. they're Liverpool supporters <laughs> who cheer for you. And we've had this, I don't know if you've seen this, but we have a, a progress fan page, and there's been a big debate as to, and and I've never sort of weighed into this is in the with you being a scouser. Uh, and it's oh this this has really happened as well. Someone has genuinely said to me before, "It's a good act that," and I went, oh, "What?" And he went, "Well, he's not he's not really a scouser, is he?" <laughs> I went, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> he's no, he's he's definitely a scouser. He's not he's not some Hollyoaks actor they bought into they bought into Brookside. He's definitely uh, like so. The fact that people think that is hilarious. But we've had our fans debate, going, "Oh, is it?" Is it all right to, to sort of take the Mickey out of another another city? And my slant on this is that you openly encourage it. If you were a, if you were a good guy, you wouldn't be getting that no. sort of abuse. You openly encourage it. Don't you? As a as a as a babyface outside of Liverpool, I've still been cheered before for the exact same act. <laughs> At NGW, I'm a babyface, and we debuted in front of an absolutely fresh crowd in Stoke, mm. where I walked out in my Liverpool t-shirt. I just did it all with that slight angle on it where I'm doing it to be cheered yeah. and um, sure enough all the crowd were reacting to it differently so you know if I'm if I'm being a good guy the crowds are chatting he's our favourite scouser <laughs> um, if I'm being a villain it's just like if you go to a football match you know if you go to watch Liverpool versus Leicester yeah. people on either side it's, it's the, coming <laughs> people on either side of the ground are going to be heckling but it's all it's all part of it just because it's obviously it's the it's the positive side of wrestling, and I think progress has that. It has that fan base anywhere where people are surely grown up enough to look beyond that. Yeah. Do you know, when you're in there in the show, it's all part of the show. You're allowed to heckle. You're allowed to let out little bits and bobs that maybe you wouldn't in every real in real life. Then it should maybe if I leave the venue with my bag and I've got changed and I get to Camden train uh, Camden Underground, and then I've got people there going, "You scouse prick!" I'd be like, "All right, lads, fucking hell." <laughs> I think that that might be a bit much there. <laughs> also, as you're a big lad, I'd, I'd like to think no one would even think about doing that. Um, but you know, just like outside the footy game, drawing them, 
they can be chanting certain yeah. things and you've probably heard some atrocious chants but it's all meant it's all meant in that yeah. way you're trying to wind them up if you're trying to wind me up you it's impossible to wind me up by chanting polite things at me yeah i'm not going to get wound up by that you have to have a little dig at me to get me wound up and that's part of it just like after the footy match they'll go outside and if they meet an opposing fan they'll probably just talk about the game yeah it's, when they were in there, they'd be shouting some awful stuff at each other. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's there's there's a couple of examples of you of you playing up to this where I've gone. If anyone's in any doubt yeah. whether or not Zach genuinely finds the anti scout stuff offensive or not, I'll give you two examples. One is um, you bringing a car stereo out as a weapon, um, which uh, I had no idea was going to happen, and nearly wept with laughter. Uh, <laughs> to be fair. It, I never put it there. No, I think that's very, I think that's very assumptuous of yourself and the fans to just assume that the scouts are with the car stereo. There's a lot of stuff under wrestling rings. Has, has WWF toys circa 2001 taught you nothing? Um, and the other thing is, and and you've done this twice. Is um, there is a certain football song that involves Steven Gerrard. Um, and him possibly slipping over and possibly costing Liverpool the league uh, two, three seasons ago. Yeah. Such um, <laughs> um, a subject. And, and twice, when that has been sung during a match by our fans, about two minutes later, you have uh, slipped. Now, um, either this is an amazing coincidence or you are, the gr- you are the man possessing the greatest comic and wrestling timing in wrestling today. Um <laughs> Is it the sort of thing where you, if you hear <clears throat> fans chanting something, I mean, you're ex, you're an experienced guy. Is that if you hear fans chanting something, you think, do you know what? I can probably do something with this because you do seem to feed off that stuff more than a lot of guys. I actually, um, well, I have to talk about spots and stuff. Of course, like absolutely. Of course. I hate saying the words that, but still, um, I actually came up with it at a progress show, mm. and it was in the ring. So it wasn't like backstage when I was thinking about it. It was against Ali Armstrong. Yes, I remember it. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was literally like, when we were doing the in-ring intros, that was the chant that they were going for. Yeah. And so straight away at the back of my head, I was thinking like, how can we pay this off? Mm. And then during, while we're wrestling around, while we're doing some tech, they're still chanting it. And I was thinking like, how, how can I slip in a ring <laughs> without like changing this match completely on its head? How can I do this? Obviously, Ali was still relatively new there. And so I didn't want to completely like, change everything on sure. him just in case he panicked as well um, I was like how can I do this and then there was just this golden moment where they had just finished chanting it and the spot was I'm going to switch him in the corner drag his arm on the rope give him a lifter take off step up out the buckles come running back and he was going to put an elbow up and then come out the corner and hit me with this DDT yeah. and like as I, I pulled his arm hit him with the uppercut turned around to look at the buckle because I'm about to take off and Nigel McGuinness in the corner and I look at the buckle and it was like all the room went dark <laughs> and this big beam of light came down on the turnbuckle and I went like oh here we go so, so I just put my toes on the buckle slipped into the buckles and obviously people like leapt out their seats in the front row to get to me it was so funny so um, I was there just lapping it up and I think oh this is perfect because I know what comes next as well I'm about to turn and the next thing that happens is boom yeah move from alley surely the, that's a near fall like People are going to buy that. That's the finish. Ali, bless him, on the other side of the ring, <laughs> went, Zach's fucked up. <laughs> and I, I was like lapping it in, you know, like, oh, 
God. Here he comes, and Ali ran behind me and just shoot German suplexed me. Oh, God, you had forgotten about that? But you can, it's awful, because you can see, like, I shit my pants. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? Boom, right in the back of my head. Because um, I did wonder the first time you did it if you'd worked it out before, because I remember where I stand at progress shows, I normally stand with... Um, my wife, when she used to come shows, is normally behind me. And then, um, and, and my wife's always the whole Scouse thing again because I live up here. I live in, in North Wales, so a lot of my neighbours and that are, are Scousers. So we're all. She's always slightly more into in tune to. Is this offensive? I'm like, no, nah, it's 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 a football thing. And <laughs> just like we just said, but I normally stand there, and and Glenn's wife normally stands with us. And there's normally a couple of our trainees who are doing sort of ring crew security stuff. And the first time you did it, I remember nudging whoever was stood next to me and just going, if he's done that on purpose, that is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And that's coming it's coming from a wrestling promoter and a comedian. It is, it, you know, I salute you for it. But um, I forgot about the suplex <laughs> on the end of it. Um, the, um, the, the, the whole booing thing, because I think a lot of, there's, there's some people, and, and you're definitely not one of these people, there's some people who get into wrestling because they want to sort of they they want to pretend to be a tough guy and that's kind of it. And we see them at our training school. You see people who last two or three sessions because they think they're going to come in and instantly they're going to be able to do everything and they're going to um, they're going to be able to sort of walk around going I'm a legit tough guy now. Um, you are both uh, I think one of the biggest members of our roster both in terms of, of height and in terms of the fact that you, you're just a big lad especially because you were on our first ever show yeah. <laughs> and the difference in you from I mean you're a bit you're always a tall lad but the difference between you then and you now is you know clearly you've been you've been working you've been working incredibly hard um, but you are not frightened of doing stuff that makes you look daft because it's important isn't it it's a big part of wrestling you've got to you've got to appreciate the humor side yeah. of it as well as as well as being a good technical wrestler as well as looking like you can hurt somebody you've got to take those moments especially when you're a villain to go yeah i messed up and now you like to laugh at me don't you well like wrestling's the ultimate for oh, funny <coughs> wrestling's like the ultimate variety show mm. so it is everything in one show so at some point there'll be comedy at some point it'll be super serious at some point it'll just be you know It'll be a gymnast, almost gymnastic. Not that mm. a gymnastic match in itself, just yeah. as just gymnastics. Obviously, that it still needs to have elements of competition. But the point is, there's all different styles that all merge into this one show. Yeah. And if you want longevity in your career, you can't pigeonhole yourself into one no. spot. Because if all you can do is tech, then you'll do tech for a year or so, and then people have seen you in that spot for the year. They'll get bored. And as well as that, the promoter will be saying, well, you've wrestled every one of our tech guys. Like, what can we do with you next? Mm. If you're versatile, you can get chopped and changed and moved all around the cards, still stay relevant, still stay at the top of that particular mm. part of the show. And whenever you're ready, you can flick the switch and move into the next section. So, I, I think what's interesting with you as well is you clearly have something and a connection with our fans from the first time you wrestled for us. And obviously, it was a little while after that until you became a regular with us again. Um but in your your first match with us, you were doing you've done some crazy, and especially if you go back and watch that now compared to the style that you have now, it's it's definitely very different. But also, even when you weren't on shows, um, you shouting the word exploder <laughs> managed to echo through our shows. For I, that was chapter one, I think, for chapters two, three, four, five. People, if anyone went for an exploder or a T bone suplex, 
someone would shout explode it in your accent. <laughs> so even when you weren't there, instantly people would go, well, he's, gonna, he's come back because he's, he's... If nothing else, just to hit the fucking explode. <laughs> just, to, just to shout explode it. Um, uh, you also as well, just to, to give you a little bit more praise, I have one of my, my favourite um, uh, favorite spots uh, that you do in matches is you uh, on the top rope it's uh, it's a long blow isn't it yeah. um, it's the long blow you do off the top rope and a ticket it's just, to ride oh it's got it's got a proper name people Excellent. have tried everyone knows that I've called the sub the shanky gates yeah. which is actually a, I'm really proud of that to it's be honest it's a great name because without us, I know we have certain companies have certain TV deals but there's no big national TV deal mm-hmm. but without that people have got the fact that that is my move yeah. that is its name Yes, and I was stood at an IPW show next to Nigel McGuinness. Amazing. Who I stole this move from, <laughs> who I absolutely loved as I was getting into wrestling. He yeah. was one of the guys who I focused on. And Did you watch him at the Ring of Honor shows up here? Uh, I, I actually didn't see the first one, so the the big one, him and, mm. him and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Um, but I did see his match with Jimmy Rave. That was when I was starting to train. Yeah. That was actually when I found out what Ring of Honor was. Mm. And so I saw that one. And uh, he was just someone who I've always sort of gone towards. And I think it's down to the fact that I, myself, I'm actually quite similar to him as well. Mm-hmm. So then instantly I just gelled with him. And then I wrestled him on his retirement tour. Oh, and saw that as part of like, well, I'm having you move then. <laughs> <laughs> but, I've won this from <laughs> But someone came up to me at a show. And while I'm stood there with him and said, oh, and I really love your move, the Shankly Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good bloke, though. He'd, he'd appreciate it, I think. So that, that my move, that is my move now. Everyone knows it's that. It's got my name. Mm. Other moves haven't had a chance to get as over with the name just because there's only so much you can do without that constant yeah. um, commentary on TV, putting it over. So specific companies might call it something different if yeah. the message doesn't get back to them. Of course. So certain companies have started calling it the Merseyside Drop. And let's just go on record of saying... I fucking hate that name. <laughs> if Glenn's listening, um, Glenn, when you're doing commentary, make sure it's called the tickets arrive from now on. Because um, it's just something a bit different. You constantly got to try and be different, and everyone has a move. It's just just a move, and I'll take his name, and then the Jim Smallman driver. Oh, yeah, wow, that's inventive. But even the way you call it is just something different. Yeah, sure. So the way I wanted it to be, rather than it just being boom, the Merseyside drop, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be like you have to call it. Because I always set it up the same way. Yeah. Gary out the corner. That's what sets you off. Goes to the arm while you're distracted on the arm. Bumbler off the second. And um, I want them to be able to call it like, say I'm hitting it. Jim Smallman's got a ticket to ride. Boom. Yeah. He hits it. Nice. There you go. You've thought, yeah, but there's thought going into this. Like, the, the, I think if you want any form of longevity yeah. in a career, you've got to think about everything. It's not just, I've got a load of moves. Yeah. You have to think about everything. It's the way it was put to me is imagine you go to see ACDC hmm. and you go to see them live and they come out and everyone in the crowd's psyched and they've got the songs that you love and they've got the cool merchandise that you love and they've got this aura about them and everything they do is great and then they go, now we're going to play our next song, Untitled. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. That's a good yeah. analogy. So people, you know, oh, I hope he hits that move. I don't know what it's called, but I hope he hits it. Yeah. No, I hope he, I want, I'm going there see Gibbs and do the Shankly Gates if yeah. you get over on you and on your personality and on the things that you do then that's truly being over do you yeah. know do you, when you actually get there people are 
if people are paying to see you, they pay to see you and the things that are over with you. Some guys get over by just having the five-star match. Mm. But that means that every time you pay to see them, if you don't get the five-star match, you've yeah. been shortchanged by that person. Yeah. If you get over for being you, as long as you're there, <laughs> then you've done your job. <laughs> um, let's, let's rewind back to... Because <clears throat> you mentioned when you, you started trading. Um, how old were you when you started trading? 15. Um, and where did you train initially? In the Runcorn Wrestling Academy. Down the road from me. Yeah. Um, so um, I actually started backyard wrestling. Backyard's such a weird thing, isn't it? Because it's an American term. But backyard and wrestling doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> Patio wrestling. <laughs> and to, to be true, there would be uh, around the side of my school wrestling. Um, I started doing that when I was like, I don't know, 14 with my mates. But that was just because we just loved wrestling. Mm. That's not really serious, you know what I mean? We're not doing like I think barbed everyone... wire tables and everything. We were just hitting stunners on each other and having Which gimmicks. perfectly acceptable. Um, <laughs> Although the... even then, I would like to point out that I was doing... Texas Cloverleafs and moves like this. I like the idea of even then you were doing the same intro you're doing for us just now. He's been, been saying he's going to be the world's number one for a long time. Except I was Jack O'Mac. Were you? I was. Oh, nice. Big, big Shane McMahon fan. <laughs> um, so, I, I'm always fascinated by... Like, I, I've always loved wrestling, but there was never any part of me wanting to be a wrestler I did the whole messing around with your mates and stuff like that in the backyard did that but there was never any part of me when I went to uni and that I wanted to be a wrestler I always wanted to be involved with wrestling never wanted to be a wrestler because I knew it hurt and uh, I'm a wuss like, that's pretty much what it comes down to it's, it's not, it, and also I'm not very coordinated like if you try to I watch people training and just learning the basics and I'm not co- I'm not coordinated enough to take a flat back bump without killing myself I'm just not and I never have been um, did you did you when you started training did you sort of go did you go on your own when you you first started training or did you go with a couple of mates who instantly dropped away because <laughs> that seems to happen quite a bit well basically when I was like messing around wrestling in the back garden with my mates mm. they all liked wrestling but they didn't love it yeah and really I think it's a bit of a testament to them like they were doing it for me that's nice <laughs> good mates but they were getting battered <laughs> <laughs> and I was like right guys he wants to go and wrestle again <laughs> we like you Jack but well, come on <laughs> and then um, to be fair I would have started training earlier if mm. one if it was allowed I think yeah. it's but um, also if I knew where to do it and I'm just computer illiterate I still am and so I just didn't know there was any way to train and sure. my, my image was always because I was well I was obviously I was a kid I was still 14, 15 I just thought as soon as I'm 18 I'll just magic myself over to the States <laughs> and I'll wrestle over there easy. <laughs> and I'll train easy. over there but then on a, I think it was on a wrestling forum, I had put out a message just saying, are there any training schools in the UK? And six months later, someone just came back to me and so it came up in my email. Yeah. Someone saying, there's a school in Runcorn, come down. So I Googled it, said you have to be 16, but I've been six foot three, six foot four since I was about 10 years old. <laughs> so, um, so I just, who's going to ask? <laughs> so I was 15, but I went down and sure enough, they didn't even ask. They just said, sign this form. I went, there you go. Nice. And how old are you? I was, oh, I'm, I'm 17. Yeah. I like that you added, you did that thing that people buy booze do. Like, <laughs> if you're 18 and you're if you're not 18 and you want to buy booze, you say you're 20 for two reasons. One, it gives it an air of believability. And two, it's easier to work out what year you were born in when they ask you what year you were born in. Um, 
did you sort of early on did you think I'm I'm definitely gonna make a go of this because the 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 first few weeks of, of wrestling training are hard going. Yeah. Um, well, I I really did. Like this is it's it's not a. I never want to sound big headed when I say it, and I never want to because it, it's not even. I don't mean it in that way. I just mean I always knew this is what I want to do, sure. and I just set my goal like this is all I want to do. Whether I make it to the highest level or the lowest level, this is still what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get people coming up in today saying like, oh, did you ever imagine you'd be doing this when you were a kid? But I say, well, yeah, it actually, yeah. Like, I thank you because I know it's still crazy. And I still think it's crazy. Yeah. I still look back at when I was young and think like, oh, I've only knew that some of the stuff that I've done. But I did always know I was going to try and do this. Mm. So it's not, it's not like a completely out of left field thing. I always knew this was what I was going to do and I put everything into doing it. I think everyone that I've met both British, American, wherever wrestlers, everyone has had that. Everyone seems to have that whole thing of still being a bit humble about. I can't believe this is happening, but at the same time, but this is exactly what I wanted and what I envisioned envisioned happening. Because if you, I think if you get into, it's not like me doing comedy. I didn't get into comedy and go. I hope that I uh, I do gigs in front of ten people and then I stop. Like I'd never thought that. You're right, and and. Whilst I didn't get too carried away going, I'm going to be the biggest comedian in the world. I was like, I want to make a living out of it, and I achieved it. And uh, and whilst I'm still, I'm very lucky that that's happened. It's exactly what I wanted to happen. And I think everyone who's got to the certainly the level of the guys that we use in progress, everyone that we use is good and has clearly loved wrestling since they. You don't get anyone who's gone, oh, kind of wasn't really bothered about it until I was 25. No, 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 that doesn't. I think I might take up a martial arts where I let people punch me in the face repetitively. <laughs> Regardless of how good I get at it, I'm just going to drop my guard and let them hit me in the head. Um, were, you, were you sort of an athletic kid? Because uh, often, cause you, when you've been, like you said, when you've been tall, I imagine you were probably pushed into, into was, sports. Because that happens a lot at school, doesn't it? I was the human equivalent of a daddy long legs. With this <laughs> big... Awkward limbs, but I was I was okay. I played I played football a lot, hmm. and I think my dad was devastated when I quit football. <laughs> were you were you playing football to a decent level? Yeah, yeah. Well, as decent a level as you can when you're fourteen. Yeah, when you're thirteen, fourteen. I mean, I had um, I had some tryouts for Everton. Oh God! I know. Oh God! I know. <laughs> but that always happens, doesn't it? It does. Whenever, whenever a scout lad plays for Everton or Liverpool, they always go, "Of course, he's actually a fan of the other team." It's like never, never any tram fans. But I was, um, <laughs> I, I played central defence. Yes, that was where I played. And like in my um, when I played for the teams that I was playing for, obviously they weren't huge teams. It was yeah. like the school teams. But I mean, we've got. I've got a drawer full of med because we won everything with our team. The Hudson Heroes. We won everything. <laughs> the Hudson Heroes? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that not a, a Second World War? <laughs> it was in those days. <laughs> um, it got serious on the field. No, it was... Um, we were quite good. and like, But when I went for the, the tryouts and stuff like that, they only seemed interested in people that could do skill. Yeah. And you know, people that could like bounce the ball off the knee and then up to the shoulder and off the head. Mm. That was actually one of the drills that we did. I think it's called like seven up. It's like left foot, left knee, left shoulder, head, right shoulder, right knee, foot. I was like, well, what's that going to do? And then we had the game. Can, can was... you put the ball in Rosette? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job as a centre back. When we had the game, people are coming over and like, we're stopping them from scoring, but they, were, they didn't really seem too interested. But even then, I don't think. I, I did love football, I still do love football, yeah. but that was always my second thing. I always loved wrestling. So even during the tryouts, like, 
everyone was like, oh, do you know, what have you been doing in your spare time? Because I've been practising my left foot, left knee, yeah. left shoulder. I'd be like, oh, I can do a wicked suplex if you want to see it. <laughs> what I love as well is if that's, if that's what they were doing at Everton's tryouts, then that explains why John Stones can't defend. <laughs> <laughs> don't, shoot, don't shoot the messenger. But that explains why you can't um, So, I mean, I know when I was in my, and I'm a bit older than you, um, but when I was in my teens, I, I loved WWE and then I got obsessed with indie wrestling and ECW and New Japan and stuff like that. Were you just a WWE dude and then you were introduced to all the stuff the more you trained? I was, yeah, I was WWE, WWF as it was then. I was that through and through. Hmm. And it was only when I actually started training that I picked up other stuff. I think just before training, I'd probably seen some TNA as well. Yeah. But that was it. It was just... And I'd seen, actually, I'd seen little bits of Ring of Honor, mm. but literally what had been allowed on YouTube. Yeah. So I'd seen some CM Punk and Colt Cabana stuff. You've probably seen Peter Williams doing a Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Because that's the video I first saw of Ring of Honor. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> the problem with that as well, though, is you go like, oh, I really like that wrestler, Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. And you go, what's his name? <laughs> Destroyer. <laughs> Mr. Destroyer. <laughs> Which is a, a perfectly acceptable name. Um, <laughs> so you start training at 15. When, did, when was your first match? Um, too soon is the answer <laughs> it was too early at the time as well I was like come on guys I've been training now for six months yeah where's, where's my belt <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think so that mentality can be bred sometimes mm. in some of the, some of the training schools but uh, just quickly just to go back to what you said before like when I first started training um, like I said I was computer illiterate and I didn't know anything mm. and this like obviously you're in my house now yep. um, Corn is literally half an hour away from here if you drive but I was 15 so I didn't drive I asked my dad if I could do wrestling he said no not a chance definitely not you're not doing it it's too dangerous never so, uh, and to be fair in many ways that's solid yeah, parenting yeah, no, it is, yeah. but you can't stop someone from doing something that they genuinely no. want to do so for two and a half years I did it without them knowing whoa serious yeah yeah so I just um, I was like okay off I go I went from getting up at one o'clock on Saturdays to suddenly getting up at eight o'clock every Saturday <laughs> and my dad actually asked me like, what's going on why are you getting up I, oh, I just want to you know, school's real tough I just want to make the most of my weekends <laughs> cool have fun <laughs> but the first time I went I actually got the directions to the place off the AA route planner oh good god that's just that's all I knew I was like that's all I knew. AA route planner, put it in, boom, got these directions. I got the train, because again, that's all I knew. So I got the train from town to, well, I got to, I got to have to travel from my home to town first, mm. which as a 15-year-old, again, is train. Yeah. And then it was train to Runcorn East, which took forever. Yeah. And then we had to swap at Runcorn East, and we got another train to somewhere else. And then we got off, and I had these driving instructions that we had printed from the route. And this is me and two of my mates who, again, oh. didn't really care. And they were like, right, Bless come them. on, we've given it a try, let's go. Like the, the session was supposed to start at like 11 o'clock, and we've now got off the train at 11 o'clock. <laughs> and they were like, come on, you tried? I went, no, if we just get there, then I can still sign up and you know yeah. do what I need to do and see the place. So then we used the, the road instructions of how to get there. And we were just walking along A roads and B roads. Oh, God. And it took us, I think, from leaving my house to actually get into the venue, which, as I say, in a car is half an hour. It took us about five hours because we just walked along the motorway. And then we got oh, there to this little place. And as we walked in, it was the last 20 minutes of the session. 
and they were closing down. Like we saw at the end of a match where someone did a moonsault, so I was sold. (laughs) 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 And uh, but then we got there, and they were like, "Okay, you obviously you've missed it." But in my head, all I'd done was read wrestlers' autobiographies, and I just finished reading Mick Foley's autobiography where he said that he had to. So he had to work this rubbish job and then he had to drive up to some place and sleep in his car and all this. So in my head, all my mates were like, fuck this, I'm never, (laughs) not only am I not coming wrestler, I'm never hanging out with you again. (laughs) But but I was like, you know what, if every week, if I have to get up earlier so I can do this five hour journey here and back every week, that's what I'm going to do because this is what I'm going to do. And then the guy that ran the place, Andy Baker, he went, well, I mean, you could do that. Or you could just get the bus from directly outside the venue, which <laughs> will take you straight to town in an hour. <laughs> what do you keep I was like, no oh, to this? a bus. <laughs> you, you have no concept of this stuff. <laughs> it was literally outside the venue. It's, I mean, presumably you had to pay for training as well. So you had yeah, to, yeah. if you weren't telling your parents, you'd have to sort of squirrel money aside. I had a, I had a paper round. Which obviously, as people have commented on various wrestling forums, uh, forums my paper round was very tough. <laughs> I think someone I love had, that line. I use it on stage all the time. Someone commented saying, "I look like I could be my own dad." <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I saved up my paper round money, and then I would have. I was still in sixth form at this point. So I would be still be getting money for my dinner mm. every day, and I would deliberately cut my dinner in half and just pocket the money so I could save up for wrestling training, and um, that would just be a bus to Runcorn, train there, come back, do it again. I think I trained at Runcorn for about two, two or so years, yeah. and then I found Future Shock in Manchester. Sure. And so for a long time, I did both side by side. I did Runcorn on Saturdays and Future Shock on Sundays, and then from there, I just fell into the Future Shock more. I felt like. So it's not it's not a knock to the face in Runcorn at all. Mm. It just felt like Future Shock was more for me. Yeah. And um yeah, that's pretty much it. I moved I moved more over permanently to Future Shock and then not that there's ever a graduation point, but there becomes a point where you're getting too much work to train. Yeah. And then you're learning stuff from top guy because you're on the show with them. Like oh, you never stop learning. And that's that's almost become a bit of a cliche where some people say it and they don't even know what they mean by it. Mm. But like when you go on to like a holiday camp run where you work in the Butlins or the Havens and you're in there with the best team in, mm. in, the, in wrestling, they're teaching you stuff every single day. So then that's more valuable than going to training. Yeah. But obviously you have to do it at the right time. So I, I think I think as well, like the, the big the proliferation of, of wrestling podcasts like like Colts and stuff like that means that more and more people are aware these days, especially not just in this country, but even in the States, are aware of the holiday camp yeah. thing and how important it is. You know, one of the things that Whenever if we have someone who's who's wrestled maybe on our Endeavour shows and then they go how do I get on a, a main show and I'm like just wrestle loads just, that's it yeah. just wrestle loads and then if you're if everyone's saying good things about you we have no not just us but everyone has no choice but to book you because you know that's the reason that there's 17 different El Ligueros. yeah <laughs> uh, because it like Santa Claus like they just you know there's only one real one um, and. And that's because if if everyone knows you're good and you're, you're working your socks off and you'll just learn from... I mean, I find it quite... I think it's quite nice in that I've seen you with our newer guys who come through the Projo, um, giving them advice and passing stuff on, which I always think... And there's lots of guys who work for us who do that, but I always 
it always pleases me as a promoter to see it because obviously you've been in that position where people have sat you down and gone, listen, what about this? Have you thought about this? And, and it, it's important to grow that way, isn't it? You, you need you need the help of other people to, yeah. to point you in the right direction. I film, I still, I guess I still do. I still watch everything back. Mm. Everything I do, I watch back at least twice, more often than not, more than that. First time I watch it, I'll always try to just watch it and go, how cool am I? Let's just enjoy this for a second <laughs> before I bury myself in a few minutes. So the first time I watch something, I will generally try to enjoy it. Sure. But then from there, that's when you get the notebook out and you just break everything down. It doesn't matter how stupid it is, you have to break it down. Otherwise, how are you going to get better? Is that you, you do you have it to with, be a, with a notebook? And everything? Pretty much, yeah. I've, I'm on my fifth notebook at the moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's not as many notes. I've, I've still kept them all. And like my first two books, I... Every sort of blue moon, you know, once a year maybe, mm. when I'm sort of rearranging a bedroom or something like that, I'll find them again and I'll just have a quick little look through yeah. them. And some of the ideas that I was writing down in that first book, are, <laughs> <laughs> if only you got your hands on them, <laughs> With, take progress to the next level. Um, they're awful, they're awful. So, going back to the first match, can you remember it was again? Yes, it was a six-man tag. In they they nearly always are. Uh, <laughs> um, I was wrestling in cut-off jeans. Oh, I had gosh. kick pads. But like training rogue kick pads, yeah. um, boxing boots that were underneath them, and then I was wearing like cut off jeans and a vest. I was super skinny and like I was sixteen. Well, but even so, when you made your your debut with us, you would have been twenty one, twenty two, uh, probably something around. Yeah. That, yeah, and you were. I mean, you weren't super super skinny. You weren't like I you... put on a bit then, but like, but, but compared to what you are now, I am a naturally skinny person. So. <laughs> God wanted me to be 10 stone and be an accountant. <laughs> and That's the name of your autobiography, <laughs> by the way. That's definitely the name of that. So I had, to, I had to wear real hard just to get some sort of weight on me. Yeah. Uh, but back then, like this is, I was still properly a kid, 16. So I just had, I, just, I was just trying to find some way to cover up my rubbish body. Hmm. And Billy Kidman wore a white vest and... Of course he did. Blue shorts. So I was like, oh, that's going to be my lot. And in my head, I looked exactly like him. <laughs> Even though in reality, he was pretty jacked and I was about you to... Have long, you have long hair as well. Yeah, you? long blonde hair. Yeah. And I was wrestling as Zach Diamond. Because cause your debut for us, you were Zach Diamond Gibson. Gibson yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, the I hated that name with a passion and I still do. And any time it comes up, I just cringe from head to... I hate it. But all it was was when I started training, my name's Jack. When I started training, there were five or six other jacks in the room already. And people just, just one of those things that happens off the cuff. Someone was like, there's too many jacks. You can't be Jack. Yeah. And I'm 15. Well, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, well, you know, you've got, lo- I had long blonde hair. And I think I had like, I had like board shorts on. Yeah. And I quite like surfing. So they were like, you like surfing. So you're Zach now. And I went, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Just so that they could differentiate. And then that just stuck. Yeah. Just stuck with me forever. Um, but then the diamond thing, because I was thrown into a gimmick and I was just, get me on the show, get me on the show, yeah. get me on the show. They came up with this gimmick, which actually would have been pretty cool. They had a wrestler there, he wrestled under a Joker gimmick. and um, So he was the Joker and he was already on the show. And they had this idea that there were going to be four guys behind him. One of them was already wrestling. He was called Jason Spades. So you can see oh, where I see going. where this is going. So they were like, so what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you. You can be Zach diamond and you can go with him and then there was also going to be a heart I think that was going to be a girl and there was going to be a club at some point and we were going to be behind the Joker so they give me the gimmick they got me set up just as I debuted Jason Spade because he was just a part time wrestler yeah. who quite liked wrestling at a training school he quit Yeah. Um, 
the idea got scrapped, but my name stuck and they stuck me with Joker as a tag team. Right. And we went forwards, but the name just stuck and I couldn't shake it then and it took me forever to get rid of it. <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, can you remember the point where, and, and again, you, you're very, you, you're a very professional bloke who's very keen to say you're still learning and stuff like that, but can you remember, there must have been a match that you had where you thought, I think I get this now. I think, because you strike me as, as, like most wrestlers are, you're your own biggest critic. So if you're saying you're watching stuff back and then burying yourself, I, I, told, I, I do the same with me with stand-up. So there's going to be points where you watch what you're doing and you go, no, I could have done that better. I could have done that. And you're, you're always going to spot stuff that no one else will ever notice because you're your own biggest critic. But there must have been a point where you had a match and you went, do you know what? I genuinely think I'm getting somewhere. At least once a year. <laughs> <laughs> Just once a year. So like when I was 17... And, you know, Zach Diamond finally got rid of the jean shorts. Yeah. And I put on every first wrestler's first pair of gear in the UK. Pleather. Pleather. Yeah, of course. Uh, I asked for shorts. <laughs> I got three-quarter length shorts. It was like bin bags on my legs. <laughs> but I put them on, looked at myself in the mirror, you know, 11 stones soaking wet. And I went, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. I've, I've turned the corner. Here we go, onwards and upwards. And then, obviously, a year later... I went, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> but now, now I get it. And then a year later, so even though when I started doing, um, so when I finally got into the submission stuff that I do with the Shankly Gates, and then that was when I thought, like, no, I've really found, mm. I've really found my act now. And then suddenly, a couple of months later, I started doing different stuff. I said, like, what was I doing back then? This yeah. is what I need to be doing. I guess that I'm probably going to do the same in a year. Yeah. Me and uh, Pete Dunn had the same conversation, Joe. And it's more, actually, I think I had this conversation with Flash Morgan Webster about Pete. So he was talking about how they were looking at Pete thinking like, well, he's got it now. There was a point where he was wearing these, these tights with this, like, it was like a bandana kind of design on it. And he had the singlet top. And that was when they were going like, wow, Pete's found himself now. This is, this is him. And we were talking about how crazy it is to now look at what he's become, the bruiserweight. Mm. And when we go like, fucking the shit's all over that thing that he was doing, this is it. But yeah. I have no doubt, because he's still so young, that give him another six months to a year, he'll be doing something slightly yeah. different. And that's what happened with me. I, I thought I had this act that was really getting over everywhere. And then I started doing this promo. And then I was like, fucking hell, I've never been more over in my life. This is... Where, where did you do the... Was the promo done first for us? Or was it... Did you do it elsewhere? It's for use. It was invented that, out I, of... I, I, feel, I feel quite honest. <laughs> it was invented out of necessity. Mm. At your place, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to constantly got to keep on reinventing yourself to stay relevant, mm. and um, never more so than when you put in the strong style tournament with sixteen of the best wrestlers in the world. Mm. And I was on the train on the way there, thinking, "What have I got to do to stand out on this show?" Yeah. And I was running down the card, looking at it, just thinking, "Like, you know, I've got no doubts that I can have good matches, but I've also got no doubts that every single match on this card is going to be unreal." Yeah. And so in my head, I was thinking, you know, a tenth of the crowd are going to say Chris Hero versus Mark Andrews is the best, which actually ends up being far more of them. But, you know, <laughs> so many of the crowd are going to say that this is the best match. So many of the crowd are going to say that Rampage Brown versus Tommy End was the best match of the weekend. Other people are going to like this match. I was like, so what am I going to do to make them remember me? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll still have good matches, but... I'll do something else as well. So I just yeah. thought, I came up with that. I thought, I'm a good talker. I don't really get to talk much. So I came up with that. Came up with the pro- promo in about 10 minutes <laughs> on the train on the way there. Yeah, I think it's, there's, um, there was one. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Time recently where you, you genuinely lost your voice, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. And, and and you had a quick and and well, I quite like this. It's, it's quite a, it's a nice thing that everyone everyone who works for Progress trusts me as a regular answer because I can improvise. And you said we need to do something about this, and I went um, okay. And it ended up being even more fun because you couldn't talk, and then ended up talking anyway. <laughs> and and it's just it's it's got to the point now that the the, the booing side of it is how. There's something wonderful that I can't... And if you watch me in the ring, I'm, I'm meant to be neutral. But the reality is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of not, because I, I am by accident. I don't want to be a character by accident. I kind of am a little bit of a character. And, and as a, a company owner and everyone, everyone kind of likes me, I am kind of a babyface. But with... <laughs> I can't... I have to look away when you're doing it. And there's a point when... At the last show that we did, where everyone quietens down and you and you have to demonstrate amazing timing and restraint to let them quieten down and then just as that just as they're completely silent you start talking and they boo you again and it is for me it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen in not just in wrestling in comedy in life in general it's hilarious <laughs> but did you think it would work that well and when I mean, you're a confident bloke and you, you, yeah you, you wouldn't i don't ever think you'd never come to us and suggest something that wouldn't work well, in my head, I kind of had it planned out, and I thought, you know what, I've got a good two years of material out of this. <laughs> but the Progress fans being the Progress fans, being what they are, being over 18s, um, it's not over 18s, actually, it's over... Over, over 14s, you know, I basically believe, being, mainly over 18s. Yeah, yeah, so being older people who are intelligent, mm. um, they just picked it up and excelled it quicker than I thought anyone would. Mm. It accelerated it quicker, sorry, so... I thought, you know, oh, I'll do this for about six months. Yeah. And then they're just going to realise what I'm doing and they're going to get fed up. By the second match on night two, <laughs> they were fed up. <laughs> and they were like... It was, the right, it was the right place to introduce yeah, it as well yeah. because it gets, it, it, you get more than one opportunity yeah. to do it. So you get 
you get straight into it. Straight and away. as I said, like I wanted to be remembered from it. So even though there probably were a couple of people saying that, mm. I think it was the match with Gallagher. That was the fa- that was their favorite one that I did that yeah. weekend. There were some people saying, "Oh, that was our match of the weekend." But as I say, it wasn't everyone. Mm. But what I was happy with, not everyone, but more often than not, what I was reading from the reviews was someone saying, "Joe, you know, oh, a versus, a versus B was my favorite match." but they remembered my promo. Yeah. And then the other person would say, oh no, I thought C versus D was my favourite match. Oh, but what about this promo? So it worked. But also as well, like uh, this is something we've talked about on Tuesday Night Joe a few times, is is sometimes people don't realise how much an entrance or a thing you do at the yeah. start of match before the wrestling even begins, how much that can yeah. get you over. And and in the in the case of what you do there, is it, it's just it's brilliant. You, you mentioned Jack Gallagher. Yeah. Um, I reckon... Surely you've wrestled him more than anyone else, based on. Cause I've seen yeah. you guys wrestle on, loads. On, on these kind of shows, yeah. yeah. On these kind of shows, so on the on the holiday camp run, but that's sort of like oh, gas. <laughs> uh, on the holiday camp shows, but that, again, that's one of those things that people don't necessarily document mm. it, and it doesn't get about. There's probably guys that have wrestled just as much. Uh, mm-hmm. James, James Drake is one who I've wrestled who, who, yeah, who's, who's, who's obviously great. just coming for you guys yeah, exactly. and he's phenomenal he's ready to explode so because um, he's been doing it he's so good and yeah. all it takes now is for someone to go like look how good this guy is yeah. and that's what's going to happen um, but I've wrestled him a, a hundred times on mm. the camps but then as far as like on these kind of shows I mean I've wrestled Jack on camps as well Yeah. so there were people at a Haven Holiday Park watching me and Jack do our stuff and they're non-wrestling fans who haven't got a clue who we are <laughs> But that's the difficult bit, it's winning over. Yeah. And, that, and that's why the holiday camps are such a yeah. great dynamic, is because, let's say you want, like most people want to work for WWE, yeah. you, you are not necessarily just entertaining people, like fans like me, who's a smart wrestling yeah. fan, who knows what he likes. The vast majority of people, if you go to the Echo Arena in Liverpool, as I have to watch Smackdown Raw in the past, like you've got people like me, and my mates who I'm there with, but then you've got, kids yeah. who like wrestling but don't necessarily know what they like like I do and then you've got parents who don't like wrestling at all yeah. who have been dragged along there and it's something that, that William Regal spoke about with me before about you have yeah. to be able to entertain that and the holiday camps is a great way of learning to entertain yeah. everybody isn't yeah. it? Uh, that's, that's basically it in a nutshell because there's also I think there's loads of people that think you get a lot of people who just want to do something new. Mm. They've been doing their same routine for a long time and then they just look at that and think, oh, wrestling's on. Yeah. Have you ever been to a wrestling show? No, I haven't. Why don't we go see what it's all about? Mm. Um, you also, and especially like for if there's wrestling on TV, you'll get people fl- flicking through channels sure. and they might flick over the channel to see something. If it's not what they wanted to see in about five seconds, then boom, they'll just change the channel. Yeah. But if you can capture them with something and something that always resonates is people fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, as ridiculous, it's just something primal in us, isn't mm. it? You know? You people say that they're watching Love Island because they want to see people fall in love. No, they don't. No. They're lying through the teeth. <laughs> they're, they're watching it for drama, yeah. like for fighting. And if they watch Big Brother, they're watching it just desperately hoping that something kicks off. <laughs> Whereas we have the beauty of constantly being able to have that payoff. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as you do it right in a way that actually resonates with everyone, there's this big um, there's this big debate. Actually, I want to wedge this in here. There's this big debate where. Recently, everyone's saying, you know, oh, wrestling's art. Mm. You can't say that it's just one thing because wrestling's art and it's subjective, yeah. which is very true. There definitely is. Whenever I, people ask me for advice on stylistic things or if it's like training, I always tell them there's no one right way to do it. Sure. But there is wrong ways to do it. Of course. So that's one thing. I feel like that whole wrestling's art has become almost an excuse 
Mm. And I hate it as an excuse because people are using it as an excuse to justify their lazy work mm. by saying like, no, wrestling's art, so don't come at me when I'm trying to be artistic, but only to, wrestling can be anything you want. Mm. But if me and you stand in this room and kick a football back and forth, that's not wrestling. No, it's not. It's, wrestling cannot be anything <laughs> because that's football. Yeah, it's not. It's, so it's not contemporary dance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we can't just jump into a swimming pool and suddenly start doing handstands and putting our legs up in the air in unison because that's that's not wrestling. Mm. That's synchronized swimming. Yeah. There's a point where it, where regardless of what your argument is about wrestling being art, it ceases to be wrestling. Yeah, it's and it starts being something else. I think. I think it's. It's strange at the minute that people are analysing wrestling yeah. more in that way. Because from my point of view, I've always known what I like yeah. in wrestling. And it's the, the reason that Progress has a strong style written underneath its, its badge. I like I like watching dudes yeah. kicking the shit out of each other. That's my that's why I like New Japan. It's it's why I like certain people in WWE more than I like other people. Um, and But I can still appreciate... Like, I still like high-flying wrestling. Mm. I like watching you know, Super Juniors in, in, in Japan. I like watching PWG. I like watching guys like the Young Bucks and, and Will Ospreay, obviously, who works for us. I, I love watching guys like that because they're brilliant at what they do. Yeah. But it's still wrestling. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely still wrestling. And even when you've got like, um, you've got stuff like Joey Ryan, Joey Ryan's comedy penis spot that he did, it's still essentially based in wrestling. It's not... But the problem is, is the more that we push boundaries either way, away from the yeah. norm... The more you are going to get people who just go, well, this is wrestling now. Yeah. What is it? Well, it's a man dressed as a gorilla sitting in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Doing nothing. That's not wrestling, is it? No. At the core of it, it still needs to be a competition. It of still course. needs to be two people fighting. Obviously, how you interpret that and how you go down it, there's so much that you can play with. Of but at the core of it, it still needs to be a competition between two guys. Yeah. In a fighting, like the, you win by submitting the guy or pinning him, which means that at some point you're going to have to fight him to yeah. get to do that. And you've got to have that. You've got to have the basic nature of competition. Otherwise, it, it's hard to put stuff together. Yeah. You can't just go like it, I'm a big Ring of Honor fan from back in the day. But the in in some ways, I remember the first time I watched it and seeing guys shaking hands with each other it blew my mind. Yeah. Right, but why are they? But why would they want to fight if they're shaking hands? Oh, it's it's just because of the competition because they want to prove they're better than someone. Oh, and that changed the whole way I looked at wrestling because it's still wrestling and it's still based in it. But it changed everything I'd known from 1982 when I started watching wrestling up until that point. Um, you are, I mean, as well as as being incredibly in demand in this country. I mean, you, you're one of the one of the busiest guys I I, I know in terms of a, a British professional wrestler. But you've been you've been around the world a bit as well, haven't you? You've been to I've done a bit. You've been to you've been to. <laughs> I'm not a tax man, mate. That's not. <laughs> But where, where have you been sort of around the world and, and where have you enjoyed, where have you necessarily... Let me try and make this positive. Yeah. Is there anywhere you've not enjoyed? I've enjoyed everywhere I've been. Literally. Yeah, travel, getting paid to travel is great, isn't yeah. it? I've never paid for a flight yeah. in my life. That's, that's, <laughs> so, uh, actually, no. I'm going to Amsterdam with my girlfriend for two days and I have to pay for my flight. Yeah. And I, was, I didn't know what to do. It's the best city yeah. in the world. I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, so where do, where do we claim this money back from? She's like, <laughs> what are you on about? So, so where, was the first, where was the first place that that flew you out the actual first place I had gone from you know knocking on people's now I've done all around Europe and I've done like you know Germany Denmark Italy a couple I love Italy I've been there a couple of times uh, but the actual first place I went to was Chongqing in China <laughs> so I went from the furthest I had, tra- 
I went from thinking that wrestling in Cornwall or wrestling in Glasgow yeah. was a long travel, and then my first international booking was literally on the other side of the world, where my commute commute to to work took me f- about five days. Oh my god! How did you, so, <laughs> so I mean, because Chongqing's not because I mean, people imagine China and think, oh, you're going to Beijing or Shanghai, yeah. but Chongqing's presumably it's rural China. Oh, like, whoa! It is, and plus, oh, it's. I still love... This is one of the crazier things about... like When people say, did you ever think you'd be wrestling full-time? As I said earlier, I go, yes, I did. Hmm. I knew I was going to be a wrestler. I knew I was going to succeed. I knew I was going to do this. If someone said, did you ever think you'd be wrestling in Chongqing, China, <laughs> by yourself for two months? I would and go, you were by yourself? By myself. <laughs> so, you, you've been out again since, haven't since, you? Since, yeah. But uh, I, I, know then, this time. <laughs> I know then you went with a, a, few, yeah, yeah. a few British guys, didn't you? But, oh uh, my God. So, been... basically, the first tour of China was actually... RJM, a wrestler from Blackpool, mm-hmm. I believe you've met. Yes, and, I um, And a wrestler that not many people have heard of. He wrestles as voodoo under a mask. He basically went to teach in China. Right. Like he got a, you know, some sort of qualification in teaching and he went to teach. Like a lot of people do. I've had mates who've gone to yeah. Japan. And he met someone in Hong Kong, Ho Holon, yeah. of WWE fame, yeah. who, um, who like, was doing some wrestling stuff over there. So he met him. They got talking about wrestling. Holland said there's a guy in China that he had linked up with that wanted to run shows. The only British wrestling he knew was Voodoo, of all people. <laughs> he asked Voodoo to find one person who asked his mate, RJM. Those two went over and I think they did like a month. So they were actually there before I was and they did a month. But that was like those two were together so they got to like look after each other. Mm. And um, there was a couple of guys from Spain and a couple of guys from other places. They, they were meant to be there for two months but they left after the month because it just wasn't quite going as it was expected. Yeah. Um, then the boss contacted them again to do it again the following year, uh, but the boss had said he didn't want Voodoo. <laughs> That's another story for another time. Sorry, sorry Voodoo. <laughs> it's a hell of a story. Now. Um, so RJM, Sam, he asked me to go, so me and him were going to go. Mm-hmm. I think he sent like three people, three different pe- people's profiles to this Chinese sure. boss. He picked me. Um, me and RJM, we were going to go over, and then literally... Oh, I think it was about two weeks before we left, RJM had to pull out. Oh, and at this point, it was already confirmed that it was going to be all Chinese and Hong Kong wrestlers and just me and Sam. Oh, so then Sam pulled out, it was just me, but I still thought, I'm not passing this opportunity up. This no, the flights are already all paid for, accommodations all paid for, I've been promised a good wage, I'm going to China, <laughs> like, yeah. this is crazy. So I still went anyway, but I got to Hong Kong, Got uh, met up with one of the Hong Kong lads who spoke sort of broken English, he looked after me for two days while they sorted my visas out. And everything about this is just ridiculous. Like, I, just, I can never put into words some of the things that I've witnessed. I stayed in this one little... I wish I could show you the video. Uh, I stayed in this little room in Hong Kong, which was... The, I just don't know how to describe it. The, my bathroom was the size of this one-seater couch I'm stood on. Yeah. And so it was sink just to your left there, yeah. toilet and shower head above the toilet. Oh so my you, god! So you just sat on the toilet and had <laughs> a shower. Did you multitask, I suppose? <laughs> and then the only way to get into the room was to like open the door, step in, and lean against the bed, and then you could close the door because that was the only room oh there. Oh god! So I stayed in this in Hong Kong. Um, Bitman, the Hong Kong wrestler, he looked after me for a few days, and then he said, "Oh, we're not actually coming straight to China with you. You're going to meet up with the Chinese wrestlers, yeah. and they're going to look after you, and we're going to be coming over in like three or four weeks." 
So I was oh, like, so I'm going to be there just in, okay. They slapped us, I had to, because we went to Hong Kong. I traveled from Hong Kong to Shenzhen, mm-hmm. which is now in China, but you have to travel there on the bus. So you have to go through the border and everything. Yeah. They slapped a sticker on to say that I don't speak any Chinese. Or <laughs> well, at least that helps. Just this big sticker on me. <laughs> and then they just, they went, right, this is what you do when you go and uh, Hong Kong to Shenzhen. Then you have to get to the airport, which is like basically attached to the bus station. Then you have to find your flight and then you'll fly from Shenzhen to Chongqing where two wrestlers will be waiting to pick you up and I was like what's the names and they showed me some symbols oh. and, like, <laughs> and then they were like are you, are you good with that like, well I guess I'm going to have to be. I don't know how I got there I basically just fell and arrived and someone just pushed me out the door and I just never quite got my foot in and I just arrived in Chongqing oh, I got on this my. bus I didn't know where I was going I got off and I was just walking around like a headless chicken and there were people just coming up because they saw my sticker and they would just say something in Mandarin and point me in the right direction <laughs> and then I somehow got on this flight, and when I got on the flight, that was when I realised like this is this is something a bit strange because I got on, and I'm like everyone else is five foot tall, yeah, and I'm six foot four. So, but the second I got on, everyone in unison just dropped what they were doing and all just spun and looked at me, <laughs> and I just had to shuffle through in complete silence. Not a single Westerner on this flight. Oh my! Sat God. down next to some little twelve year old Chinese girl that was in the seat next to me. And without even, she just stared at me for three minutes. Didn't say a word. Obviously, couldn't say a word. Yeah. But didn't say a word, and then just pulled her phone out of her pocket and took a selfie with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh my god, that's amazing! I got two chongsing again. Just luckily, my case arrived, and I just came out. I was like, at this point, I'm thinking, "What the fuck am I doing? I'm here by myself." These two Chinese oh. fellas meet me, uh, Gao Yen. And Daichi. Daichi doesn't speak a word of English. <laughs> Gaoyan could speak like a couple of sentences. Yeah. So I was like, oh, is this what, does anyone speak English? And this is where Gaoyan confirmed for me that he was the best English speaker there. Mm. And I was, it was him and one other guy could speak English like, at the same level. They could speak a tiny bit of oh. English. So I had to, just, they were just, they took me to my hotel. They just said, uh, you meet us eight o'clock. And I got to the hotel at like three o'clock in the morning. So they say that Joe, five hours, we'll be back to pick you up for our first training session. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus, I wasn't expecting to work when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got on and I got there and they took me on the first day. They picked me up and they said, tomorrow you make your own way to the training session, to the training school. And they, they showed me on the bus. We got to the bus station and it was the whole, I've got pictures of this as well, just so I can show people that, show my friends and family in there. The bus station itself was just all symbols. So yeah. he just pointed at me and said, this one here is you. So I just took a picture of it and circled it on my phone. And then he said, this one here is where you need to be. Count the stops and get off. <laughs> and oh, then, God. I mean, and then that was it. We just, I, I taught them how to wrestle and so we just, I taught them little bits and bobs. We got there and it was on the bottom floor of a big shopping mall, but in between all the shops. Mm. So all these shops were still open and ready to go. No barricades or anything. Just a wrestling ring. Just stuck in the middle. China is mental. <laughs> it's the most mental place I've ever been. I love it and hate it for all the same reasons. <laughs> you see, just, I mean, were you a particularly well-travelled person? No, Because like, <laughs> no. like, I know, like for me, I mean, I've been to loads of countries now doing stand-up, but I didn't really go abroad on holiday until I was like 18. So, like, to, to be, to go from a lad from Liverpool to being in China on your own, there's a lot of people who wouldn't have no. done that. There's a lot of people once... Once you found out you were going on your own, would have gone, no thanks. Well, 
I had been on like lads' holidays to Magaluf yeah. with my mates. Which is and a perfect my, preparation oh, to being in rural China. <laughs> and then my next experience was it. And literally, for I was there for obviously, I was there for eight weeks. So I was there for two months. And um, for the first like you know, few days, I just thought, well, this is it now. Do you know, there's no one to speak to. Yeah. Uh, I got some half conversations as a guy. Yeah, and he's, I like him actually. He looked after me a lot. But um, they would take me for food, but they're all just talking Chinese. Yeah. And so. I tried. It's quite to lonely, learn. isn't it? <laughs> I tried. I was still having a laugh, and like yeah. the crazy thing was, I was a I was a huge celebrity anywhere I went because this is rural China. Like mm. there are no Westerners, there are no yeah, there are no white people. Nobody speaks English, and then suddenly I'm the first. Uh, to be honest, you'd see every blue moon, you'd see one or two white guys, but they were like sixty year old businessmen. Yeah. That's why they're there. Yeah. So for me, I think I was there at what twenty three, and. They've never seen a young person. Then I go to gym, so I'm again. I'm instantly something different to them, and then I'm six foot four, so yeah. I'm instantly something different to them. I'm wearing vests because it was ridiculously hot, and they just didn't know what they had seen. And in those first few weeks, I just thought, like, right, I'm in China. Nobody speaks English, not a soul. Mm. I have to point for food everywhere I want to go. I have to just. How were you with the food? Because, like, known from like my old my old sort of fashion business job, like people would go out to Hong Kong all the time. Hong Kong's fine. Uh, and then they go into slightly more rural China to go to factories and they struggle a little bit. Um, Chong Sing is known for a hot pot, right. which is like, the, the lads took me for a hot pot actually and it's just, you just sit in the middle, a big hot pot in the middle, they just bring loads of uncooked grey meat, uh, just various different <laughs> greys, different shades of <laughs> different shades of grey that you didn't like grey meat, please. But every, because they only knew limited, I don't know if it was because they only knew limited English yeah. or because the food was very limited, but I'd say to them like, well, what's this? And they'd go, beef. i go, okay, cool. Pop it in the hot pot. A couple of minutes later, it might be cooked. It might not be. <laughs> just to play the game. You just get it down here. And then i go, okay, well, what's this one? And they go, oh, it's beef. i go, okay, what, what, I mean, this other one was beef. So what part yeah. of the beef is this? <laughs> and they go, ah, beef. Uh, okay, whatever, put it in. i go, what's this one? they go, ah, beef. I'm like, right, come on now. <laughs> this one's got gills. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so hot pot is disgusting it's the worst yeah. and that's like their famous food <laughs> the hot pot um, but luckily RJM had clued me up and he had just he had shown me um, this restaurant called CSC mm. which is country style cooking and that actually was country style cooking written in English yeah. even though they had no idea what it meant yeah. and then it was the symbols and that and he just said look out for this it's everywhere it's a chain and it's not a rip off of KFC as a lot of people thought it's actually it's own brand <laughs> which genuinely if they open CSC in this country I would eat there every day really? it's a, oh it's amazing I was constantly looking for it uh, it's like a luxury for them right but it was like after translating it you would get um, you'd get like two bits of genuine beef yeah. real beef <laughs> real beef real beef uh, you'd get two like two sort of mini steaks an egg refillable rice and vegetables onion rings and refillable drinks for £2.20 because I I love that when certainly I've been to Singapore to do stand-up and and, and various other places and when people go oh it's quite expensive and and some places you go out and go no it ain't no it ain't I have to go to London (laughs) this is cheap so Sam had sent me the name of the the name of the restaurant and a picture of the meal and so I just went in and just showed them the picture on my phone and they just made it for me. And I, I the next the, time you came in, they remembered? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there was one right next to my hotel yeah. where I ate, on average, four or five times a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the, the thing I suppose I, I always think about is I'm not, like, I go to the gym, but no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the same sort of shape that the wrestlers are. 
and obviously you presumably diet's really important yeah like when I arrived today you protein shake on the go and presumably because you've you've gone from like you said the, the sort of skinny kid that you yeah. were to being you know one of the, the better built guys in, in Britain at the minute presumably you fat to, you really have to concentrate on that sort of stuff I just have to eat a lot and so even eating that much over there I still lost weight on the first trip to China yeah. so I came back a good sort of half a stone maybe even more lighter well, and I had to just put it back on when I got home yeah. Um but yeah food was hard over there and the main thing was just not being able to speak any English so yeah. I was thinking you know, I'm in Chongqing nobody speaks English at all and then about two and a half weeks maybe three weeks in I was in CSC hmm. and um, I was listening to my to my music I had my headphones in and I was eating my dinner and some guy had sat opposite me and he was trying his very best to get in my eyesight yeah. <laughs> so that I would notice him <laughs> and he was like giving it this little side wave so I took my headphones out and was like alright mate do you want a picture or something I was used to it at this point and he just went like hello what <laughs> uh, <laughs> <was> relief like, <laughs> get your hands off me you damn <laughs> it was like Planet of the Apes like it just talked I couldn't believe I, that sounds horribly racist but it's not meant in that way like it took me back so yeah. much I couldn't believe what was going on um, and he was just he actually spoke half decent English, mm. so he'd obviously learnt English and he wanted to speak it. Yeah, and wanted to practice it. Yeah. I was like, oh my, I can't believe it. I've been here for three weeks thinking nobody speaks English. Then I start talking to him, and that was when I realised I don't speak English. Because <laughs> 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 I mean, he started talking to me, and I could understand every word he was saying, even though some of the phrases were slightly, yeah. you know slightly misjointed but then I started speaking to him and he couldn't understand me because <laughs> I was like alright mate yeah I'm just here having my dinner and he just looked straight through me and I was like what's wrong lad what's, what's the problem <laughs> see that's the thing I've, I've learned since I've lived up, up this way I live like 40 miles from Liverpool and most of my neighbours are scousers and there's days if I don't go back down south that I start getting and especially if I'm gigging Liverpool if I do like Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Liverpool I become a little bit more scouse and I'm alright with a Scouse accent because I've got loads of Scouse mates and uh, level pair and it's fine and I've always been fine with it but my, I've realised my daughter does not necessarily get the Scouse accent because she'd never met it she'd never met a Scouse until recently she was just like I, I think I get it and it's like oh to me it's completely normal now but you forget how, how mind blowing it must be for, for a Chinese person to hear your accent for the first time it took me like two it took me the whole time I was there basically I made friends with this guy because mm. I just had no one to speak yeah. to so instantly I mean it could have been we could have been polar opposites it didn't matter he spoke English yeah. he is my best friend <laughs> <laughs> so, but then what was quite cool is he said um, oh do you know, we, we talked over dinner then he was like do you know um, I just told him how I didn't really have anyone to talk to and he said like oh well why don't I like introduce you to a bit of the city so I was like that sounds brilliant Go so on. I had a WeChat which is their WhatsApp Nice. So I had already downloaded that, so we had those details. And then um, he said, oh, well, I'll introduce you to some of my friends who also speak English. And to be fair, he, like, he knew some people who had learned English. And more or less, I was like an experiment for them, basically. Yeah. They just wanted to practice English. But I thought, this is still better than sitting in my hotel. So. Yeah, absolutely. So let's do it. Because that's the worst thing when you're travelling. Yeah. Like, if you're travelling, let's say you go to Germany and you're with a crew of other British guys, or even like a lot of the, the European wrestlers you're going to yeah. know. And you can go out and enjoy yourself and, 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 yeah. and have a good time. 
but there's been times like I went, I went to Singapore on my own and it's like I know this is a beautiful place and I can go wander around but it's still weird when it's yeah. just you isn't it and yeah. you just have to sort of sit in a hotel room going no, that was it. I, st- I would still go out and I'd still go on little walks but then as well as that like I didn't have any I could only use the internet if I had Wi-Fi. Yeah. So I couldn't use sat-nav or anything. So I was still, like, I'm going to go on a walk. Hey, hey, and I had a planner, mate. That's what you needed. That <laughs> <laughs> is what I needed, to be fair. <laughs> um, but he, he was like, oh, we'll meet up at some point. And I was like, okay, cool. Thinking, you know, I've only just met this guy, but maybe at the week, this was on like a Wednesday. Mm. So I thought maybe at the weekend we'll go out and he can show me if there's some nightclubs or something around. So I went back and then literally the next day, he had messaged me saying like, so how about we go out tonight? <laughs> I was like, a bit forward. Well, <laughs> okay, John, if that is your real name. Um, so I, I, but again, I only had Wi-Fi when I had, sorry, I only had internet when I had Wi-Fi. So I was in my lobby using the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Saw this message from him and I messaged him back saying like, yeah, mate, that, that sounds all right. You just let me know when. Then I went upstairs to go and get a shower and everything because yeah. it was so hot. I was having to shower like three or four times a day. Um, so I went off I go and get my shower I've lost Wi-Fi during yeah. this time he sent me about six messages yeah. I'd say I, I've had my shower but I'm going to go to CSC yeah. meal number four it's coming up yeah. so I go downstairs I walk through the lobby I get wi- in my pocket I get Wi-Fi and then I leave the lobby and I don't see it so I've yeah. still not seen the messages yeah. but I've got them now so then walking to CSC I opened up my phone and I see all these messages from him saying like okay well we will hang out then how about tonight <laughs> how about we go out tonight two of my friends are free tonight I'll meet you at CSC I'll meet you there in 20 minutes. And I was walking to see it. <laughs> so, I was, this is mental. So when I got there, he was waiting outside. That is, and, that is insane. And he was like, go on, let's go. And I was like, wow, I'm hungry. I'm going to go. And he was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll take you to a nice restaurant in the city. Because I was just outside the city. Yeah. And he went like, oh, you just called a taxi. Taxi pulls up. He opens the door for me. He goes, get in. So I was like... <laughs> I've my, got no wife my, like to tell yeah, anyone where I my am. My aunties and my dad, everyone had said, you know, like, be careful. Yeah. And there I am in, like, my, my vest, my shorts with just my money and my phone on me. And some absolute stranger telling me to get into a taxi because <laughs> he's going to take me to a different city. And I was like, yeah, go on then. He just yeah. got in. He got in. We started driving and we drove for, like, 20 minutes. And he was talking to the taxi driver in Mandarin, so they were talking backwards and forwards. And I was just thinking, like, I have no idea where I'm going. I could be getting kidnapped. Um <laughs> He could have a gun. I was looking, at, but I was looking at them both, thinking like, "But if it does go wrong, I could probably just hit them yeah. really hard." Yeah. <laughs> Do right. And then uh, it turns out he was all right. Actually, yeah. he took me out to like some restaurant, introduced me. All of his friends were girls, which was quite cool. So he introduced <laughs> me to them. Um, they all spoke in really thick American accents. That is bizarre. Oh, isn't it? so strange. Like, well, to, to be fair, most of them didn't speak that well English, but he. Basically, yeah, they all had, they actually had the Chinese names, but they'd all given themselves English names as well. Which I've I've got yeah. friends from um, when I was growing up in Leicester, I had friends from Hong Kong who, who all had like Chinese names, yeah. but then gave themselves English names. Yeah. One of whom was called Terence. It's like <laughs> you chose any name you mate. to pick. Anything. You chose Terence. <laughs> so he was he was John. Yeah, and um, the other people that he introduced me to, they were sort of all right, and I'd see them every every so often when I was there. But I hung out most with him. And then this other girl that he introduced me to, and on the first night she wasn't there, mm. but I did speak to her on the phone because I later found out she was actually really cool, yeah. and she barely knew him. He was trying to get into her, <laughs> and this is oh mate, it's crazy. Yeah, a wingman. Oh, it's crazy. He was. He, he was, saw you at that restaurant and went, "Do you know? Do you know? What I need. Yeah. I need a six foot four scouse wingman." <laughs> 
<laughs> he was trying to get into it and she had been denying his calls and everything. And then he thought, do you know what will make her really... This girl who went to university in the States for two years, so she spoke really good yeah. English, but she spoke it with a really thick Southern American accent, mm. which was just so surreal to see. Yeah. Um, and he thought the way to impress her was to introduce her to a... She's, bear in mind, she's been to uni in America, she's experienced all that life, yeah. she does miss it. She wanted to go back and she missed all this. And he thought the way to woo her was to introduce her to a Western man <laughs> who is who goes to the gym and yeah. who is a bit interesting, who's there doing wrestling. Yeah. And that was his way in. So <laughs> he put her on the phone team that first night and there was, I thought I was speaking to some like... Tennessee honey like do you know I was like what, what is this voice that's coming down the phone I was like, is this an international call who are we talking to and then I think it was the next night because again just stuff yeah. just moves I was just in a completely different world I just didn't know what was going on it's so surreal to even think of these things everything would just move so quickly and so I actually met then met up I went out with him again the next night and met up with her yeah. at um, this crazy place called Hongadong <laughs> <laughs> But it, there's a picture of it on, on some of my social media, actually. It's crazy. It's just by the waterfront, mm. and it's all lit up. with. It's just a mental building in itself, and then inside's all these different stores and different bars, <laughs> and that's where a lot of the Westerners gather. So we met up there, and then I'm, I've heard this thick American accent, and then when she comes up, she was like five foot as Chinese as Chinese come. Mm. And it's, it was just strange. It was messing that's with my crazy. mind. So even though it was a wrestling trip, I don't really talk about wrestling much <laughs> when people ask me about China I was like oh, there was wrestling don't worry yeah, there was but, wrestling but, it's these but it was basically just wrestling with undertrained Chinese guys and we, I was promised a load of shows mm. and then a lot of them kept on getting cancelled so I did we did a lot more wrestling on the second tour yeah. the first tour I more or less taught their guys how to wrestle did a couple of little shows here and there in front of real small niche crowds mm. that, that's just another quick point I'll make Joe in in general, in wrestling in the Western countries is for... You can have a full family night out for relatively cheap, can't yeah. you? It's not to say that like the richer people can't go to wrestling, no. but it is generally... It's always generally been more of a working always, class. I always felt I like... Because I'm a working class lad. Yeah. I always felt... I used to watch it with my gran, yeah. you know, in a flat in Leicester yeah. when I was a kid. And it always feels that's where it comes It was from. generally more of a working class thing, yeah. But in China, because the difference between poor and rich mm. is just... You're either super tight for money yeah. or you're minted there's no in between yeah. and so thanks if, communism <laughs> if they aimed wrestling at the working class yeah. they would be set to make no money with a sellout crowd of 30,000 people yeah. so instead they aimed it at the rich people so you'd be wrestling in front of real small crowds of Chinese most wealthiest just like doing dinner theatre <laughs> it was crazy it was really really surreal yeah, especially more so on the second tour but mm. Um, that for that first one, yeah, like there was little bits and bobs of wrestling, but the more important thing for me on the first tour was I just got involved in the. I just got involved. I just yeah. went around. I got to see loads of sights. I went white water rafting in the mountains in Chongqing, <laughs> which is crazy. The stuff you're telling me, where it's like <laughs> this, literally could have been the last time we ever saw that game. So. <laughs> yeah, it was some of the stuff. Honestly, it was absolutely mental. I, there was this one when I got friends with them. They were, they were showing me all these crazy places that they knew, and I was like, well, I'll tell you what. Let me take you out for one night. There's been right next to my hotel. There's one bar. In the whole of my little area where my hotel is, there's just one bar, and I walk past it every day, and I hear the music playing, and it's some decent music. Can we go there? And they were like, yeah, okay. So I took them out for one night, <laughs> and we went in, and it was a Chinese gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never... Please tell me it was like the one in Police Academy, and oh, stereotypical as It was mental. Like, <laughs> bars in China, in general, they don't have a dance floor. Right. They have dance stages. 
Okay. So like you have tables and you all sit around and they bring the drinks to you so you don't have to go to the bar. Mm. It's actually pretty good. Like yeah. they bring the drinks to you, you can move around and talk to people. But then this place just had a big catwalk and then, <laughs> and then a pole at the front of the catwalk and at the back. And when we walked in, I was like, all right, I promise I didn't know this is what I was going to be like. <laughs> but I thought it was just going to be a strip club then. And then when it happened, they had like a big cabaret show. Yeah. And I thought it was really fun, to be fair. <laughs> I've got loads of pictures from it. It was, it was mental, some of the stuff that they were doing. And they'd have like three or four people singing Lady Gaga, Obviously. but murdering it in the most... <laughs> oh god I just I can't do it justice it was brilliant you've never experienced something like this until you've seen four Chinese cross dressers <laughs> singing Lady Gaga in broken English <laughs> oh god but um, John uh, not John sorry, John had one of his mates and John was like so disturbed by this because <laughs> there's a couple of people that don't mind and that have sort of embraced yeah. western lifestyle and that don't mind these things but a lot of the time the Chinese people are a lot of very old fashioned yeah Joe if you tell a risky story they really tighten up yeah. on it and John especially if you're in a rural yeah. area as well it's not the same as being in yeah. Hong Kong or Shanghai or, or Beijing or bigger cities so um, John particularly he would he was like that a lot of the other people I knew there they were a bit more loose but he would still sort of tighten up a little bit on certain stories so he was trying his very best but his mate who was really you know really old fashioned the second the first dancer came out he just got up, went outside, and rang his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> just like just to make sure. Just, I'm just letting you know yeah. everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. I've not been corrupted. It's fine. Um, one last thing I want to, I want to ask no. you about. It involves food and it involves wrestling. Um, once, once upon a time, you um, you might have dressed up as a cheeseburger. Um, not cheeseburger from Ring of Honor slash New Japan. <laughs> Um, a far more a far more well known well known she's yeah. <laughs> um, it, um, that must have been a, a weird couple of days when that happened wasn't it I mean it because it, I know that the whole kind of uh, being an extra sort of thing yeah. for, for WWE is something that a lot of, it's it's a rite of passage for a lot of wrestlers yeah. um, so there's a lot of guys there's a lot of guys in this country who, who, who have done it a lot of guys who work for Progress who've done it Um and it's a cool thing to do, and it's not the sort of thing you're ever going to say no to. Yeah. But the, the most important question when you were, and you were one of the rosebuds, weren't you? Yeah. When Adam Rose was doing his thing, did you get to choose the cheeseburger outfit, or was the cheeseburger outfit chose for you? <laughs> <laughs> so we we spoke earlier, Joe. Obviously, I like to keep my cards like close yeah, cool. close to my chest about anything about stuff like this. Um, but that one, obviously, that's been on TV. Of People course. know about yeah. it. Um, we were told this is the segment. This is what you'll be doing. Yeah. Um, you'd have to go to production, go and get you. There's an array of costumes. <laughs> go and pick a costume and come back. And that was it. And then we'll tell you what you're doing. Yeah. So we went to pick up. Oh, funny. We went to pick up our costumes and we saw them all just in their packets, you know, same fancy dress. One or two people have been told to just stay in suits so that it yeah. wasn't just the fancy dress party. So sure. it's kind of had this vibe to it that it was just a wacky party. Um, and we all just picked them, but then obviously because it—I mean—and this particular one, it was just—it was like being—it was so strange to be in that environment, but to be there with all your mates. Yeah. So we were all just having a laugh as well. Like it was—it was, a, it was it such came, a good. It was such a good weekend. That, I mean, the guys there are just. Regardless of any stories that you've heard in the past, it's just nothing but a positive experience when you're there. That was the London. Was that the London one? London, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was I was in the audience. Because yeah, yeah. the weirdest bit was seeing you and other people I know come out <laughs> and me, and I think I was there with 
John, one of the other progress owners, and me nudging him going, dude, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen what's happening? But he came across the yeah. new grappling hooks. Well, I mean, that was even before we got told the angle. Everyone back there has been really really nice to you everyone's really polite everyone's really supportive and they give you nothing but good advice so we're already in a good mood so when we get told to pick up the costumes we were all just trying to compete with each other everyone's trying to snatch the most ridiculous one yeah. they could see and so I think again, I don't know how much other people want but some people were one of the lads put on a penguin costume which I like, covered his whole head and yeah. someone else was Elvis and then I saw the cheeseburger so I snatched that was like on the bottom of the pack so I snatched that I was like, I think I've, I think I've won with the cheeseburger here. <laughs> but then when we actually got to the room and I put it on, I was like, oh no, it didn't have any legs on it. Yeah. So it was just like, it was like a body cheeseburger. And originally I put it on in just my underpants. So I was like, oh, that, this is this is too much. <laughs> so I put my best had my pants on underneath and I put the cheeseburger on. And then we all went down to get told what we were doing. And basically they just said like, right, we need such and such a person here. They went, has anyone picked up the cheeseburger costume? Um yeah that's me like, okay you've got quite a key role in this little segment <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> and that was it they just told us what we were doing and uh, I was Ethan the cheeseburger with a I had the amount of people just from school and everyone that were all messaging me saying like please tell me this is this is you because <laughs> obviously they actually introduced the camera comes straight in and it's it's quite surreal there. it kind of opened the door obviously I'd been doing little bits and bobs with no one even knowing who I was yeah. talking to or what I was talking about and then suddenly it all just came out there and yeah. people start speculating people start making up their own stories but regardless of how true any of those are or aren't I was a cheeseburger in front of 17,000 people which and, and genuinely I, I wish I'd recorded the look on on John's face when we were like that oh my god <laughs> that's genuinely happening did did you find, because I know that for, for a few of the guys who've been in Rosebuds yourself, Nathan Cruz and Dave Mastiff, for example, um, have occasionally still get the Adam Rose music yeah. sort of chanted at them. Certainly at our shows, where our fans are a little bit sort of more clued in what happens. Um, has that sort of faded away now? Was it happening for a bit? Yeah. You've never once billed yourself as, as seen on Raw as a cheeseburger. No, no. We did actually do, um, straight after it, Voodoo, actually. Voodoo yeah. from China ran a show, like a little... His shows are always ridiculous because that's just his personality. His shows are always absurd. So he ran a show, and the main event was it was the Battle of the Rosebuds. That was probably the <laughs> that was probably the that's one amazing. time that it's ever actually been referenced. And it was me and RJM, <laughs> uh, me and RJM against the Coffee Brothers. And it was just I don't know why it was like he just billed it as who's the best Rosebuds, <laughs> and we had the tag team match, me and Sam against them too. And the match was as serious as you can imagine. Yeah, of course. In, in fact, in that match, we came up with a very unique spot. We're constantly innovating, do you know what I mean? Constantly innovating, constantly pushing the boundaries. And when you do a sunset flip and someone pulls your arse out of the trunks, that's been done before, hasn't it? You know, yep. It's already been done. It's old hat now. So we had to innovate that spot yep. and really constantly just at the forefront of wrestling. So in that match, we um, we did a double version of it where we pulled the coffee's bums out. Yeah. And then they tried to drop their legs on us and we moved out the way and they both hit. And then we put them in front face locks and whilst they're both facing each other, yeah. whilst their toes are scratching into the canvas because they don't want to get pushed back. And we slowly forced them back until their bums kissed. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. I love the idea of you even suggesting that and going, what are we going to do, lads? What are we going to do? We're going to make your bums kiss. That's um, literally how it went though. Because, they were like, because we're children. <laughs> because we were like what happens if we push them back and they were like what do you mean push them back 
And it, well, if you push them back so that your bums, so that they kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then as we're like running through the match, we're like, okay, send you off. Duck one, double leg Nelson, no, drops the leg, boom, front face lock, bums kiss. You guys. <laughs> um, listen, um, I'm going to let you go in a sec. Uh, I genuinely appreciate your time today. Um, one last question, very quick question. Uh, Liverpool Leicester at the weekend. Uh, what's the score going to be? <laughs> I'm not going to be offended if you say you're going to murder us. By the way, I don't only think we are. Only, only one of only two teams to beat us last season. Yeah, I don't so. think we are. Um, it really depends what team shows up. It's just typical Liverpool as a late. It's typical clock management. Speaking of someone who really liked Dortmund, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's really good sometimes and sometimes. Because <laughs> the crazy thing is, if you put the best teams in the league against us. We'll probably beat them. Yeah, definitely. If you put the worst teams against us in the league, they'll probably beat us. Mm. And then that also then goes for Leicester. I don't know which Leicester are going to show up. I need to do It's all over the place. It, it's one of those that I know I'll be sat in a hotel room on Saturday night, watch it before me gig, watching it. Um, nervous as anything. I mean, the, the, nothing's going to replace what happened last season, so it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, if you beat us 7 0, it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> um, we've won the league. Um, I think it's going to be tight and scrappy. And I'm going to go with Liverpool. Liverpool over. 1 0. <laughs> Liverpool over, because he's still a wrestling podcast. Liverpool over, dirty. 1 0. Um, um, uh, plug anything you want to plug, so let people know your social media stuff so they can follow um, you accordingly. Twitter, Zach Gibson01. Instagram, Zach Gibson01. <laughs> uh, there's a reoccurring theme. <laughs> that's pretty much all. That's the only place where I am. And then um, just any show that you see me at, make sure you come. Yeah. Liverpool and Sergeant Gibson t-shirts are on sale. There's a link through my social media. Um, good, good. Buy, buy things. Yeah. Um, and uh, and obviously, uh, it pleases him to boo him. So boo that man. Uh, I've got a new t-shirt in the pipeline, but I'm not sure if it's going to come off just yet. But keep an eye out for that. Oh, you might nice. might enjoy it. Good. Well, listen. Thank you very much, mate. And nice. uh, uh, appreciate your time. And um, I'm you know, around this. I'm, it's it's weird because I thought there was traditionally there's only one way that my stuff ends, mm. and that's it's normally like you know where you, you sort of you're in there with me and I drop you, uh, <laughs> drop you on the deck, uh, wrap your arm around your head, lock the Shankly gates, and you tap out to Liverpool's number one Zach Gibson. But I just I don't really know how that works on a podcast. No. Boo. So that was my chat with Zach Gibson. Asked me to point out a couple of things. First of all, he did dumb down his Scouse accents for the purpose of this podcast. He wanted to make sure that you guys could understand him properly, so he did dumb down his accents a little bit. A bit less Scouse than he is when he's normally talking. Um, The reality that you get in a progress ring is the reality. He just had his best mum's telephone voice on when he was doing the podcast with me before. He also said, to say that there could well be a part two of this podcast because we only scratched the surface of his trip to China. We heard part one of his trip to China, but he went back to China again and apparently there's even more cool stories for that. So that's something we could potentially do in the future. Um, Delighted to have Zach on board and having a chat with me today. He is destined for big things. He's a fantastically talented young man um, and a joy to chat to. So um, uh, thank you very much, Zach, for having a chat with me. Thank you downloading this and having a listen don't forget keep recommending it to people jimsmorman.com slash tnj and don't forget listen to everything on the distraction pieces network there's myself doing tuesday night jaw scroobius picks wonderful scroobius pips wonderful distraction pieces podcast which gave the network its name in the first place 
the Say Why to Drugs, and uh, there's also the Stop and Search podcast as well. They're both fantastic. Do listen to those. Keep supporting everything that Distraction Pieces Network does. And me on Twitter, at Jim Smallman. That's dead easy. Uh, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Joy if you want to get in touch. And on Facebook, on facebook.com slash Jim Smallman Comedian. And I'm on Instagram as well, just Jim Smallman. So facebook.com slash Jim Smallman Comedian if you want to give me a little like on there because sometimes I put up some Tuesday Night Joy related stuff. Sometimes it's just boring comedy things. That's it. Comedy-wise, uh, if you want to see me this week, I am in Windsor on Friday and Saturday evening. Uh, Fuzzy Bear Comedy Club, should you want to come along to that, please do come and say hi. Do the universal code of anyone who listens to Tuesday Night Jaw. If you see me, don't say anything. Just offer up your hand for a high five. I know you're a listener. Um, listen, we'll be back next week. Uh, I suspect next week we will have a roundtable for the first Smackdown pay-per-view which is of course this weekend Um, so we'll try and put something in place for that in the meantime thank you very much for listening thank you for supporting this podcast and recommending us thank you for supporting the Distraction Pieces Network and thank you once again to Zach Gibson for being my guest today we'll see you soon ta-ra Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter it's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.